0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Today I get to talk about Uh, An interesting idea, Um, The title of my message this morning is Able and Willing, and you'll understand as we get on, but I want to start with this statement. Uh, Most people in the room, uh, you're sitting here, so at least you're open to the gospel, you're open to there being a God, or you've been drugged here by, not drugged, but drugged here, (laughs) Um, hopefully not drugged, and then brought here. Um, but you've been forced to come here and uh, but most others sitting in the room here believe that God can do miraculous things. Uh, maybe you've not seen them, but, you know, you believe things about God, you believe, you know, the stories in the Bible and it has miraculous things. So you, you may believe that he has the ability, uh, but that I don't believe is the hard part it's easy to think when we look around and see creation and go, man, God is mighty, God is powerful. And don't get me wrong, it takes a great measure of faith to reach that point, but it's relatively easy to believe that God can. Uh, the hard part is this question, is he willing to do it for you? It's always the personal side. I mean, a lot of times it's like, oh, yes, God, 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 but when it comes down to us, it may be a little bit more difficult for us to believe the same thing that we believe about God as it relates to us. See, this is where I believe the text is going to lead us this morning. Um, and if you're willing uh, and um, the Holy Spirit intervenes, I believe God wants to do some stuff in our hearts um, to deal with that um, tension between his ability In his willingness. So let's pray. Uh, Father, your word is holy and you are holy. um, And you want to speak to us. You brought us here this morning not to just encourage and not to just make us feel a little bit better. You, You brought us here this morning because you want to know us and you want to know us at the deepest places. And Lord, we want to know and need to know that you're willing to know us. And to touch us in those places um, that seem so far from you. So this morning as we read your word, as we, we look at the gospel of Mark, Lord, let the words and the truth that they represent impact the way we think and believe about you. Not only in your ability, but your willingness to reach out and work in and through us. So, Lord, speak through your word this morning. Speak through me, Lord. Use my words to communicate your truths. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're reading along with us in the one-year Bible, you read what I'm going to go through today, yesterday, I believe. Uh, And you also, if you're brave enough, you've also entered into Leviticus. Yeah, yeah. How's that going? Uh, Good, good. Well, I'm going to tie it in a little bit. Actually, what is referenced today is out of Leviticus. Uh, And I do encourage you, if you've not done this before, uh, there's these little videos that you can find on YouTube, or you can Google it, and and just type in Leviticus in the Bible Project, and he'll give you a a six- to eight-minute overview of the book. And sometimes when you know the the ultimate um, kind of background of what's going on, the bigger picture, it helps you with the little... And the one thing that I do want to, before we get started, because this is important, because you read Leviticus and then you're going to hear what we're going to hear today. And Jesus is interacting with people, sinful people that have diseases and have things that have separated them from culture. Jesus's heart from the beginning was to redeem. You know, you're reading in Leviticus right now, like, hey, if you know that you did this or maybe you didn't. A lot of them are like, you didn't know this that you did this sin, but you realize that here's the sacrifice. He he had this method and this this way of you making right the things that have gone wrong in your life. And and that's the same today as it was then. But they do it a different way. They do it through the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and that's where our hope is See the gospel of Mark um, by all or most historians, they believe is the first gospel written really soon after these events actually take place. And they believe it's written by a guy named John Mark who's referenced later in Acts. He was uh, actually uh, Peter and Paul got in an argument over him because he went on a missionary journey with him. And sometime during the middle of it, he's like, I got to go back home. And Peter's like, OK, cool, dude. I'm glad you got to go. He didn't say that, but he's like, OK. And Paul didn't like that at all. He left it and he didn't have anything to do with John. There's another journey. He was like, no, I ain't taking that guy with me. Later on, Paul um, speaks very highly of John Mark. So they they fixed that relational hiccup that they had. But they believe this is, um, John Mark. Who, or the Gospel of Mark is written by him that he took all of these accounts and wrote them down. And what's cool is when God, the, um, Mark 1, 1 starts, he makes it clear what he's wanting to communicate through this entire Gospel. And we're going to be in, uh, Mark 1, verse 29 through 45. Those are our texts today. So if you want to get there, that's fine. I'm going to start with reading verse 1 just so we understand The the clarity, because sometimes they're like, man, Jesus didn't really say and they weren't really clear about all these things. Mark wanted to make sure this is what I'm writing this for. Uh, Mark one one says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word Christ literally is an Old Testament. It's a, a Greek word talking about an Old Testament idea of Messiah. The son of God, he wanted to make clear where he was going he wanted to make clear who Jesus was. This wasn't just a great rabbi, a new teacher, a new preacher on the scene. He was the Messiah, the Christ, the living God, the Son of God. And so Jesus starts off healing. He starts off preaching with authority. He goes into the synagogue and he, he speaks to the people. And they're like, man, this isn't, a, this isn't just someone reading a text and giving us something. There's an authority here that we've not seen before. And he heals like there's right before the text we're going to get in today, a, a person with a demon comes into church woo, into the synagogue and Jesus casts out the demon. So not only is he speaking with authority when demons are listening to his voice here, I think this morning or yesterday also talked about that. They blamed that he is actually um, working for he is Satan, basically casting out other demons. He's like, no, 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 that's not what's going on here. But then that leads us to this moment. So he casts out this demon in the synagogue. It is the Sabbath. So he goes to the house of Simon. Um, and this is where we pick it up in verse 29. It says, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. I wrote this down. and I like this idea. Good things happen when you stop leaving Jesus at church. You're going to see some good things that are happening, but and, and this is our heart. Our heart isn't for you to come here and get information and get knowledge about Jesus. Our heart is that you would come here and give yourself over to Jesus, to the lordship of him. And you would invite him to participate in every piece of your life that you would bring him home. And when he's at your house, he has the capacity to change things and bring things to life. Verse 30. Now, Simon's... Mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. Of course, when you have the man that can heal people and cast out demons, why not? Hey, you're here, she's sick, please heal her. Uh, one little side note, um, there's, there's lots of debate here depending on where you grew up. Grew up. If you grew up in a, a Catholic environment... Um, there 's a belief that Peter was the, the first pope that he he was the one and and, and this one 's de, not debatable, but this is this is kind of a, a good point here that Peter was married uh, he had a wife and there 's a lot I listen to debates about this and how oh she 's already dead and all these other things but anyway, just a side note if you want to dive into that, you can but Simon um, had a wife um, and had a mother in law who 's sick at this moment in verse thirty one and he came back and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. See, a sickness, and this will be apparent as we get into the next healing that's going to come up in just a little bit in verse 40. A sickness that people had and ailments that people had and things, impurities that people had made them unclean. And to touch them would make you unclean. So the religious leaders of the day would not do anything. They wouldn't touch. They wouldn't interact with. You know, they wouldn't touch a dead body. All these things would make them unclean, including the illness, the fever that this mother-in-law had. And you see Jesus and over and over. He's not afraid to reach in and touch. And so he picks her up by the hand. And, and the cool thing about this I don't know if you've been, you know, it's it's winter. Most of you in this room have, have had <laughs> the flu or something going on over the last couple of weeks, some whatever. But, you know, if you're burning up with a fever and the fever leaves, you don't just like, "Woo, I'm ready. You're exhausted. You're tired. You want to go to sleep. And when Jesus interacts with her, pulls her up out of the bed and this isn't something he demanded. Y- hear this, like when he heals her, he's not like, hey, you owe me. So can you please, you know, we've been waiting for food and you've been laying around all day. Can you please get up and no, when Jesus interacts with you in a mighty and powerful way, your inclination is to serve. Not out of like, oh, I must, but out of a gratitude. Can you imagine, you know, in our day, you know, when you don't feel well, you go to the doctor and they give you some medications or they they test you for this or that. And they give you things that will hopefully make you better in that day. Illness is like a fever could kill you. And so I I don't know how ill she was, but ill enough that, I mean, it wasn't like she's got a little cold. I mean, Peter was like, hey, uh, Jesus, friend, buddy, pal, can you heal the mother-in-law? So he goes back there, he prays for her, and he gets her up. He wasn't afraid, and this is something we need to know, especially dealing with our own issues. Jesus isn't afraid of becoming unclean because of our mess. Verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. Sundown was the end of Sabbath. So the the Sabbath was going on and they couldn't. There was a belief that you you shouldn't heal. You shouldn't do these things. This is kind of the argument that you see over and over again throughout the Gospels. So they were waiting for the sun to go down because when the sun went down, Sabbath was over and they could go back doing the normal thing. So what was their normal thing for that day? It was to go where Jesus was and ask for healing. Verse 33, and the whole city was gathered together at the door and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. You see this over and over again, repeated throughout the Gospels. When Jesus would interact with demons, they would be like, we know who you are. You're the son of the living God. And, and, and you would think, hey, OK, tell the people over and over again, even in the interaction that we're going to have with the leper in just a few minutes. Jesus ask was, well, to the demons he demanded, they will not speak. And to other people, he's like, please don't don't tell people. See, Jesus wasn't interested in popularity, wasn't interested in gathering a crowd. He was interested in obeying the Father and doing the things that the Father had required of him up until the moment that it was his time to go to the cross. We talked about this a week or so ago. Jesus wasn't going to to go to the cross any sooner than the Father demanded. He had a plan. He was going to work that plan out. Now, here's another thing to notice in this section. Not that we think this, but we just need to have this clarity. Uh, there's a distinction made between diseased and demonized. While Satan can cause physical afflictions, not all sicknesses is caused by demonic power. Sometimes we're like, it's, the de- it's a demon. Everything's a demon, the demon, the demon. Okay, um, let me, and I'm not trying to weird you out you're like, I'm in one of those churches. Um, but demons are real. Like it didn't end. I mean, part of the climate that's going on in our church isn't just wicked, evil people. It's demonic forces working behind the scenes, influencing people. So we need to understand that our war isn't against flesh and blood alone. And sometimes when you're like, you want to punch the person because of their craziness, maybe you need to be speaking in Jesus' name over them because that that's not our war our war isn't with the people but i just want to make that known that you know just because something happens to you it isn't it isn't necessarily always demonic you know because we could be casting out something that's not even a demon but just just a just a little extra so why did the demon silence or why did jesus silence the demons jesus was controlling the narrative that's what he wanted. He, he had all these things that he needed to accomplish. And whether it's a demon or another person, which most of the people, the demons listened because they stopped speaking because Jesus commanded them. The people, like we'll see with the leper, they don't always listen. They making his ministry a little bit harder. 35, and rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, And here he prayed. Late hours did not keep Jesus from his appointed meeting with his father early the next morning. We need to understand, if it was important for Jesus to separate himself and have these moments with the father... And and I I don't have time to get into the Trinity. I mean, Jesus and the Father are one, okay? That's what we need to understand. But if it was important for Jesus to spend these moments with the Father, how important are they for us? How important is that time that you're spending? And one of the reasons we say over and over again, be in the Word, pray, connect, be with the Father, is because we need it. Because... Left to ourselves, we're going to listen to our own voice, which is usually going to get us into trouble over and over again. He was not interested in that. He wasn't interested in the popularity. He was just interested in being obedient to the Father. So, what are your excuses that you're using that are keeping you? Some of you in this room need to go to bed earlier. Like, oh, I don't get enough sleep. I don't know if you've seen that little meme or video. It's like, I need at least eight hours of sleep. So, will you do what is necessary to go to bed so you can get eight at nine doing that? It's like, I need, I need sleep, I need sleep, but you won't do the thing. You'll be like, well, okay, I got a, a brilliant idea. You need eight hours of sleep, then go to bed at nine o'clock at night. So, maybe uh, you need to pull back and just say, hey, God, I want to make sure that I can have these moments with you, so I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier so that I can have those times. (laughs) Verse 36. And Simon uh, and those who are with him searched for him, so they wake up and Jesus is gone. They're like, what's happened? And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine um, being Jesus' assistants? And I use that word very loosely. You know, you're working for Jesus and his popularity is growing. People are coming to your house so much so and he's healing them and he's casting out demons. And this is happening. And people are like, where is he? And you're like, "Okay, we're going to get him. We'll bring him back because this is amazing. We're doing the thing. See, they're still called up in this idea that Jesus had this He was going to take over. He was going to he was going to build this popularity. and he was going to become the new high priest or the new David or the new whatever. But they thought they had eyes for what Jesus was going to do. And they weren't the same because they're like, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went out through all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. See, Jesus was only interested in pleasing one person, the Father. He wasn't fueled by or fooled by popularity. Over and over again, there's a couple other encounters where they literally want to make him king. They're ready to, by force, put him in a position of power, and he withdraws. Those same people, most likely, later try to kill him, <laughs> stone him or do something else. But he wasn't interested in what the people thought he should be or what he should be doing. He was only interested in what the father was calling him to do. Verse 40. And the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will. And this, is, this whole line right here is why the title of my message is able and willing if you will you can make me clean and really this is the heart that i want us to understand of our access to the father the leper was done with his trying to fix whatever's going on he was desperate lepers weren't allowed to do what he's doing They could literally be stoned for what he's doing. They were supposed to stay. They they weren't allowed to live in the community. They had to live in this desolate place away from other people, usually around other lepers. They weren't allowed to interact. And if they came near people that didn't have leprosy, they were to call out leper, unclean, unclean, so people would stay away from them. And this leper was done. He had heard the story about Jesus, so he knew that he was able. But he wasn't sure, like he said right here, if you will. He didn't know. Was was Jesus interested in healing him? Which is the question that we all at some point in our life are going to deal with. Is Jesus interested in, de- in healing or dealing with what's going on personally for you? See, among the 61 defilements of ancient Jewish laws, leprosy was only second to a dead body. So of the things that you wanted to stay away from, dead body being number one, leprosy was number two. Now, dead bodies couldn't come after you, so you had a little bit more control over them, but lepers, they could. They were kind of like the walking dead of the day. Like sin, leprosy is d- deeper than the skin. It's a neurological disease where literally you begin to lose feeling. You, you can't feel. So some of the ailments that's going on, like literally I read one thing, that you, they would wake up and part of their hand would be chewed off by some rodent or, or, or animal and they weren't awoken by it because they have no feeling in the area where the animal is chewing. And they would, they would sores, and I mean, they would literally be falling apart. And this is what's going on. It's deeper than the skin. It spreads, it defiles, and it isolates, and it renders things fit only for the fire. If you read through Leviticus, I think it's in 13 and 14, it'll give you all the things that you should do. If, if your skin does this, then do this for so many days. And if it doesn't, then you've got to stay away. And, and pretty much anything that came in contact with this, you would burn and get rid of. Anyone who is, who is never trusted in Jesus as Savior is spiritually worse than the man who was literally falling apart power and rotting from the inside out was. That's our spirit condition. I think one of the things that you'll read as you read through biblical um, leprosy, it's tied to the effects of sin. Because sin is deeper than the skin. It's not like you can go to your sink and turn the water hot enough and get the right type of soap and clean it off of you. It's deeper in the skin and it's affecting everything. It's isolating you. It's hurting other people. It's pushing you outside of community, which is what leprosy did. And it spreads. It doesn't stay in one thing. If, if you're in the room right now and you're like, I'm managing this sin. You're not saying that out loud, but you're, you're doing it because you're still allowing that whatever to stay just a little because it's just a little. It's no big deal. The problem is, just like leprosy, it will never be contained in this one little thing. It will leach out into every piece of your life. And, and one of the things that I want us to or what I'm, I'm going after today is whatever that is in you, if you don't allow God into those moments, into that piece of you, it will destroy the rest of you. It'll, it'll ruin relationships. It's doing it right now. There is no cure for leprosy. In the Old Testament, I think there's two occurrences where leopards were healed. Lepers were healed, but they were all done by, you know, things that God was doing through them. Whether it was um, the guy who dipped in the <laughs> Jordan, I think, seven times. And he was like, our, our water's better. This is stupid. I'm not going to do it. And he did it and he was healed. See, this leper came to Jesus knowing that he had the power, Jesus, to heal But he wasn't sure if he would be willing to heal him. And what about you? What about that piece of your life right now that you're like, man, and here's the crazy thing that we do all the time. We're like, man, if God knew. That's the dumbest statement that you'll ever say inside your brain. God knows. You aren't you may be fooling every you may be fooling me, you may be fooling your spouse, you may be fooling your best friends or your accountability partners or whatever, but God isn't unaware of these things that are going on in your life. And the best thing that he can do for you is make you aware of his awareness. The, the, the beginning of wisdom, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And it's not like you're sitting at home going, oh, I'm afraid of the Lord. But you understand the capacity that it is in the Lord to judge the things that we have going on inside of us. Verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. See, again, Jesus was willing to do something that he didn't have to. And he proves this over and over, that he could speak healing from great distances. He did not have to touch this person to heal him. He did not have to do anything in this moment. He could have spoken. He didn't have to touch him. But this person needed to be touched. Who knows how long he'd been suffering with leprosy? Who knows how long he had been in these? He may not have had any physical contact from anyone for years. He may be like, oh, man, I just, you know, like I'm I'm so lonely. I'm so, you know, like his family has nothing to do with him. Maybe, you know, who knows if he's even in a leper community. He has nothing, but Jesus touches him. See, in their culture, this again would make Jesus unclean. Him touching this leper would make him not holy, which isn't true. And don't skim by the fact that he had pity on this person. See, I think some of the times we miss these opportunities of taking these things to God because we're afraid how he's going to react. We're afraid of what he how he's going to receive us and and the thing that you'll notice throughout the New Testament, really throughout the entire Bible, when people are broken and finally at the end of their own delusion that they can fix whatever's going on and they humble themselves before the Lord, he always responds well. He only responds poorly to those who feel like they can fix their problem. The religious people of the day or people that are like, I trust in me. Don't skim by that most important fact that, he had pity he he in that moment saw the need and he reached out and touched and healed him. The deliverance Jesus bought, brought, transcended the mosaic law and its regulations through the law. Though the law provided for the ritual purification, so there was a there was a method that if the illness went away, you could go present yourself, which he's going to be. Asked to by Jesus, you can present yourself to the priest and the priest will say, "Okay, do this and then you'll be acknowledged to be clean. Though the law provided for the ritual purification of the leper, it was powerless to cleanse a person from the disease. It was the same the whole Old Testament, even though all the stuff you've read in Exodus and you're reading in Leviticus, those things I think we're strictly there for you to understand over and over again that you're desperate and you need God. But they couldn't fix you. Every year you had to go back. And, I mean, even one of the lines that we read this week, it was like, even the priest, if he does something wrong, he's got to fix... There was always this thing that you had to do to make yourself right, to fix you. But it couldn't fix you long term. Verse 42, and immediately... The leprosy left him. And we, I don't know if parts of him were gone and they're back. I don't know what, you know, like maybe his nose has fallen off and it's back on or the sores on his, like who knows, but they knew that in this moment a healing had happened. And Jesus sternly uh, read all the commentaries on this and it's it's like he snorted like a horse. Like it's like it's aggressive, not angry, but he's like, hey, I need you to understand that this is important and I want you to do something which is not go and tell everybody about this. He said he sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for You're cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. Look, I believe what he's trying to do for this person is to get him connected to community again. Because until the authority said that he was clean, he was not clean, even though... He could walk, you know, look, you could look at him and say, well, he didn't have this or that on him. So he looks like he doesn't have leprosy. But until the, the authority, the priest declared and the sacrifice was made, you weren't clean. Jesus was trying to restore him, not just physically. But with community, too. The cleansing of the leper was an undeniable mess, uh, messianic sign. It was. This was unusual. It's like the raising of the dead. These things weren't happening, but they were also proclaimed from the Old Testament of one of the things that the Messiah would do in the New Testament. That God was working in a new way. If the priest declared the leopard clean and rejected the one who cleansed him, their unbelief would be an incriminating evidence against them. It's hard to deny, and that's why later on they're going to be like, This is because of demons that he's able to do this. And he gives them a whole lesson about that. See, Jesus wanted this man to have the ability to re enter his community, which he could not have until this authority said so. The ceremonial uh, description in Leviticus 14 for what Jesus is asking him to do presents a beautiful picture of. In tie, in the type of work of redemption, the two birds represented two different aspects of our Lord's ministry, his incarnation and his death. The bird, one of the birds was killed. One of the birds was set free. The bird put into the jar and then killed and then hit, and his resurrection and ascension. The bird stained with the blood and set free. The blood applied to the man's right ear, and you'll see this throughout where they'll they'll, you're like, What what is going on? The blood uh, applied to his right ear, his right thumb, his right toe, like God's word, his right thumb, God's work, his right toe, God's walk. The oil that was put on the blood symbolized the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit cannot come on human flesh until the until first the blood has been applied. Sometimes we ask, we want God, but we we have to start with the beginning, which is the redemptive work of the cross. Sometimes we want the things of God, but we don't want our ability, we don't want what it takes to get there, which is accepting his sacrifice, surrendering to him. We, we want, like, everybody, if you... I, I remember... Um, listening to stories of you know, some of the great wars that have gone on in the last 120 years. And there's a statement that you know there's no, there's no atheist in foxholes. When it hits the fan, everybody will be asking for something greater to rescue and redeem. It's, it's in us to ask, but we've got to start with this first place. Verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely. This is the man, the leper, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. He did not listen, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So the man is healed, and I don't know about you, but like, I have a hard time keeping secret like, amazing things that happened to me. Like, so if I was healed of some great disease, like, Jesus just healed me of this, you know, like, it's not... (laughs) Today, we'd be, like, live-streaming it on Facebook. We'd be talking about it on Instagram. We'd be snapping all of our friends. We'd we'd be like, this is what's going on. It would go viral. Look at the before and after, because we had a video of it. And Jesus doesn't want this to happen, because, again, He's trying to regulate the ministry that's going on. He did not want people to fuel the things that were going to happen. He didn't want to put the people in a position, the religious leaders of the day, to do anything sooner than he planned. Ministry uh, was over, in, in a sense, from what Jesus could do before. He couldn't even walk into cities without people wanting something from him. The leper's only cure was Jesus Christ. Just as the only cure for sin is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one in this room, no one in this room, including me, and including the most holy people that you think that you know in this room, have the capacity to make themselves right before God. Because we've all fallen short and all people are condemned unless all their sins are forgiven and that only happens through our trust and belief in jesus christ and the sacrifice that he made for us once and for all so here's a couple of questions for you what are you doing with what's going on under the skin some of the hardest things that you'll ever deal with, because we're right now everybody's managing to some extent what people see and what people know about them. You're managing it. And there's all these things in every single one of us that are hidden from other people. Some things real little, some things, you know, like if you would tell somebody, you're like, that's so insignificant, and some things major. There, there's stuff going on in people's hearts right now that They're potentially, you're potentially at the end of your rope. I mean, the national statistics on suicide right now, the national statistics on all of these things that are going on in people's life, are, they, they, aren't, they aren't diminishing, they aren't going down, they're on the rise because we're, we're a culture that is very public, but we're not public with the right things. Meaning we're not allowing the things that are really inside of us right now that are, that are eating us alive, the leprosy that's inside of us right now, unless we allow God into them to touch those areas of life, they will consume more and more of us until they rob us of the very life that we're fighting for. So what are you doing with what's going on under your skin? Are, are you, here's a question for you. Are you aware of it? Sometimes in sermons and other pieces, um, things will be said and you're, you'll, you'll, you'll feel a little glimmer. It's like, like a little spotlight is on you for just a second. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, just just keep your light off of me. Maybe you're aware of it, but you don't know what to do with it. You're like, I've, I've got this hidden sin. I've got this thing, this anger, this frustration, this whatever, whatever that is. That I, I just, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, maybe you're in this room Uh, And you're actively aware, but you're also actively working at not only acknowledging this before the Father, but you've invited other people into your life to say, hey, I need help here. So my encouragement today is that Jesus is able to deal with what's going on inside of you. He can heal you. And I don't mean just physical ailments. I don't mean he can heal physical ailments. And let me, here's another theological thing that I don't have an answer to. There's some things that he won't heal. There's people in this room that may deal with things for life. And we need to understand that God's love is not tied to his setting us free of everything. But I, I want you to know that he is there with you in those moments. He's there. He's willing to interact with us. He's not afraid of it. There, there's nothing going on that if you just had a, a, a moment, and you were quiet, and you say, God, this is what's going on. I'm struggling with blah. You know, he's not running out of the room going, I can't believe that you're doing that. He's going, like, hey, he's, son or daughter, I want to set you free. I want to get you connected back to the community that you've been separated from because of this. Here's my last question. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Are you willing to ask, even with the doubts of his willingness to do what you're asking for? I cannot guarantee you what he will do with whatever you're saying. Hey, God, I want to invite you into this. Some of you will get exactly what the leper got. And you can get healed and freed immediately. Some of you, God will say, hey, I'm with you and we're going to walk through this because here's the here's the crazy thing. He's more interested in what you're becoming than what you are right now. And and he has um, a plan for you. He has literally good works for you to walk into that he's prepared in advance. He has all these things. He has this person that he wants you to be and he will use trying hard things to get you to that place. He did that with this leper. He used this leprosy in this moment to drive him to Jesus. And I believe that God allows our sin, which we think is driving us from God, to drive us to God. Because that's what happened with this person. He was finally at the end of his rope. He was like, i got nowhere else to go. And he was going to risk life and limb, Literally. To pursue Jesus. He was willing to ask the question, even though he did not know how he was going to respond. He didn't know that he would be willing if you will. And I, I just want to offer today that Jesus is able and is willing for you. But he won't fix what you, what you won't give him. So if you're just hoping, I've got these things inside and Jesus is going to just touch me with a magic wand and it's going to be gone. No, it's messy. you got to take your brokenness and you got to sometimes, just like the leper, expose yourself in front of people, meaning expose what's going on. Like when he came into the group, they were aware what was going on with him because they could see it physically on him. They could see that it was gone, so they had to see something that was there. So he risked the exposure ridicule, pain that comes from where he had to go to get in touch with Jesus. And I just encourage you, whatever that is, there's a greater, a greater measure of what God can do when you just finally say, God, here it is. Here's my mess. And what's beautiful is that when God begins to fix our mess, He normally builds community again which is what's going on with this guy. So what I want to do right now, uh, we're going to go into another song. Um, I want to pray um, that that one, you'd be bold enough to acknowledge it before Him, that you would take whatever's going on in your life. Two, you may be sitting in this room and be like, man, I've never interacted with God in a real way, and I want to, but I'm afraid of how He'll respond. Look, We saw this a couple weeks ago with the lost sheep. He goes out of his way to pursue, to carry that sheep back, and he celebrates. That's what you get when you finally take yourself to the Father. Let's pray. Oh, God, you know what's hidden beneath the surface. You know what we're hiding. What... You know what we think we're hiding well. And you, being a loving, caring Father, is saying, please give that to me. And so, Lord, I pray over those in this room that have hidden sin, that's destroying their lives, that is destroying their relationships, that is separating them from the community that they so need because of their own shame and guilt. And, Lord, I, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give them a boldness To approach you. To come to you knowing that you are able. And to believe that you're willing to set people free. To cleanse them. That you're willing to reach in and touch us. Lord, you're not a distant, far off entity. You're personal and you showed that with Jesus. And I I pray that we would believe that in us. That we we would believe right now that you would be willing to interact with all those things in our life that we cannot overcome, that we're struggling with, and that you would begin to give us the power through your spirit to overcome the things that are killing us. And so Lord, I pray for healing right now. I pray for the people that... When, when they're ready, ready to have that moment that the leper had and said, here I am. I know you can. And I'm going to ask for it. Lord, I pray that you would do amazing things. Lord, I pray for freedom. I, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would set people free from sin. Lord, that you would not allow us to stay hidden behind things that are killing us. Lord, you are pursuing God and you are going after us. Lord, help us turn and walk towards you. Lord, I pray that your grace would overwhelm us. Lord, thank you for for loving us. Thank you for showing your love for us once and for all through your Son and the cross. Lord, help us embrace that forgiveness and be healed through it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.